You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. You know, I love being in the magazines and I love the accolades and, you know, social media is great. But that's just not really what everyday life is really like. You know, it's, you know, me packing an order or harassing a buyer or running to the salon after drop off. I mean, there's so much that goes into the day to day that people really don't even see. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Jamila Powell, founder of Naturally Drenched. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Jamila is a mother, an attorney, and an entrepreneur that has turned her passion for hair and self-care into a business. No stranger to beauty, Jamila is the owner of Maggie Rose Salon, one of the top texture salons in the country. While running Maggie Rose, Jamila discovered which ingredients work best on all hair textures and created the vegan and eco-conscious naturally drenched from there. Jamila, welcome to Business of the Feed. I am so happy to see you. You're giving me all these great spring vibes with this beautiful outfit. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I live in South Florida, so I'm saying if it's not bright, it's not right. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not bright, it's not right. We all need that. I'm in L.A. and it's been just crazy with the rain. And I know I can't really say much because there's so much happening with weather all over the world, but it's just been so abnormal with the weather everywhere but Florida, even though there's other abnormal things happening in Florida. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we do have the weather, but we do have definitely some other interesting factors to take into consideration. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's jump in. Um, I love this headline that Birdie gave you. Congratulations on all the great press. Birdie said, lawyer by day, natural hair brand founder by night. So I love that. You have such a unique background. And I always say to founders, all of our experiences kind of lead us into these different moments of time. And so to go from this corporate legal career into being a natural brand hair founder, but also having your own salon, it's quite the transition. So I kind of want to start there. You know, whenever you think about kind of your life to this point, 
what were some of those moments that you can highlight that kind of got us into the here and now? Well, I think the first thing for me was having my daughter. So that was really the catalyst to do something different. Um, I think I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit within me, but just didn't really know exactly how to channel it. And I think having my daughter gave me more focus because when I first started working at my current job, I was in a group called Social Esquire and we did networking events in South Florida. And I think that really planted the seeds for entrepreneurship because it really taught me how to network, how to navigate, and just gave me the feeling of passion that I think you need to have to be a successful entrepreneur. And so when I had my daughter, I knew that I wanted to do something else and create, I guess, what you call a side hustle. And I decided to open my salon, which I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And it was a lot harder than I could have imagined. But I think that if you can persevere and be patient and be resilient, then you can see a lot of things through. And that's um, having a salon really gave me trust in myself and faith in myself in the process that no matter what comes my way, I'm able to figure it out. And so um, just from there, the hair salon and dealing with curls and natural hair and teaching people how to love their own curls, love what grows out of their their head. I, I learned what was missing in the market and and what we're really missing, especially as, as people of color with having access to products that are quality and formulated with our best interest in mind. And so I really wanted to create something that was well formulated and that was all sustainably packaged. And that led me to Naturally Drenched which we use in the salon all the time. And I absolutely love, and I've seen such a great benefit from. Well, and it's so interesting to hear you talk about having your daughter. Um, I feel like for me, having my daughter was also that pivotal moment where I was running my first company, not really in alignment with my co-founders and was in this place of like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But it was having my child that like, changed the switch for me. And it was so interesting because I remember my co-founder being like, I can't believe you're going to schlep your daughter to New York. And in that moment, I was like, schlep my daughter? What are, what are we even talking about? And that was the trigger inside of me that was like, nah, you're done. Like, we're out. And that led me into the next thing. And it's, it's an interesting thing how children can kind of open your eyes And you've talked a lot about your daughter. You've said some beautiful things, especially about how much she's meant to you, how she inspires you. Um, Maggie Rose Salon. So talk about kind of that, that, that moment. And you mentioned it as being the piece, but how has having a daughter really changed, especially because you've been at different parts of your career? It's a big life change and career change that you've had. So let's start there. Well, I mean, she's my constant motivation. And even when I hear her talk now about customer service, business, or anything, I'm so impressed by her. I would honestly not do it any other way. And I try not to tear it when I talk about her because she's such like an amazing person. And she's been so patient with me. 
And she has so much grace and so much compassion. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, you sometimes feel like you're not giving them enough, but you don't realize that you're giving them a lot of tools to be successful in the future that other people aren't going to have access to. And I just feel like blessed and honored to have her in my life because it takes a strain on you as a person and as a mother. And it feels good when you have that constant person in your life who loves you unconditionally. And even at a young age can say, though I may have had to be at the salon every Saturday or always run there or be this through their journey, I'm proud of you and I love you and I'm here for you. And she gives me such great advice. And sometimes when I'm hard on myself, she's like, you got this. She's like, you're incredible. And she just reminds me that all my sacrifices have been worth it. It's so beautiful. And, I, and I'm trying not to tear up um, as you talk about it. And um, the blessing of children, right? And I, and I know that different people have different ideas about having children, and that's fine. And for those of us who have made the choice and said, we want to have a child and have been blessed to have them, I think it is the the, the greatest gift ever. And I think the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur, yes, there's the work and there's the teams and there's the things we have to manage, but it's the balance on the other side that we never really have. And you're in this constant state of, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to do this work. You know, we were laughing before the show about school drop-off and school pickup. And I've had to intentionally figure out those moments. And at the same time, I've also had to say, it's spring break. I can't work this day. I want to, I want to do something with my child. And then the flip of that, and I love how you say that, is just so much that they're learning to see us. And I, I always say, you know, my mom, I traveled with my mom. She took me. There was no other way to go. And so whenever I hear people try and separate or compartmentalize. It's just too hard when the gift of them seeing it and seeing a different life and being exposed. Um, it's just so great. It really is. Like, even when I went to Chicago this weekend, you know, I still went and visited my retailers, but I made sure like, okay, don't overdo it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. go, I bribed her with like, I'll buy you something. Just let me go to these stores and, you know, because, you know, now she's become pretty. She's 10. And <laughs> because I'm in Credo in these places, she has a pretty high-end approach mm -hmm. to her skincare and lip gloss game. So, you know, she's shopping for the best of the best. So even when we were going to the last one, I was like, look. $20 is the max. Because let's be honest, if you go to Credo, you're not really spending less than $20. I mean, I don't exactly. know. Exactly. So I was like, and she said, what about 30? And I was like, girl, I said, well, what, what could you possibly need at 10? That's $30, you know? But I loved it because we spent the day together. We went to Credo. But she had, it's great for her to learn and see that, you know, mommy has to go visit these retailers to understand sales, to understand speaking with people and, and realize that this is the greatest gift. Like, and after that, we went to the color factory, which was amazing. But I just also had taken my intern, she's 19, to New York with me. And we visited every credo in New York, three credos. And then I went and did a speaking panel at 530. We flew in that morning and we were back out at 830 at night. 
And I love, she said to me, Jamila, she's like, I'm so thankful because how many people really get to see what an entrepreneur, what it really takes to not even be successful, but just to get the ball rolling. Most people don't even have that inside look of, she's like, I can't believe you do this. I'm like, yeah, I was like, don't let, you know, I love being in the magazines and I love the accolades and, you know, social media is great, but that's just not really what everyday life is really like, you know, it's, you know, me packing an order or harassing a buyer or running to the salon after drop off. I mean, there's so much that goes into the day to day that people really don't even see. And so she was like, so grateful. She was like, this was the best day. And I was like, you know what? She is going to be so successful because she's not caught up with me being in Marie Claire or Birdie, but she's caught up with the the hustle and what I have to do behind the scenes to give her her paycheck. Well, and I, it's so true. There's such a trend, you know, Instagram entrepreneurs, everyone wants to be a founder. It's like quite glamorized. And I always want to make sure that this next generation, that we're supporting them, but that they also see it for what it is, because it is such a great sacrifice. And yes, there is the reward. But to your point, flying in, let me pack an order. Let me do this. Let me do that. Like, that's the real world of being an entrepreneur. And it's truly not for the faint of heart. And especially whenever you're doing it in the way that you're doing it, going to Credo checking the stores, meeting with the store teams, making sure that your products are there. That's a whole job in and of itself. And I want to kind of talk about even the growth of the brands and getting into retail. Because to your point, you're there, you're traveling, you're still growing and building. But so many of our listeners are also trying to figure out what is the best balance of retail. And so your credo, your 13 Loon, um, you have really, your JCPenney, you've created such this dynamic ecosystem and cult beauty. So talk about that kind of transition. And maybe we should even take a step back. Talk about even getting the brands, going from the salon to going to products to going to retail. <laughs> I've like jumped you into retail. <laughs> you know, I always tell people, um, so when I started the brand, it was during COVID. I was like, man, I should have had a brand. So I was like, how do I do this? So I just literally, I always tell people I'm a Sagittarius. So I'm super impulsive. So, you know, in between all this, I had a candle bar. I did candles, like just out here living my best business life. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I literally went on Instagram and typed hashtag black cosmetic chemist. And I found my chemist and we had a call. We hit it off. I'm from Maryland. She lived at the time in Randallstown, which was like close to my parents. It was just a synergy. And I went with her. Her name is um, Cynthia, Cindy J Labs. And pretty much everybody, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. That's typical of me. I really half the time I'm just like out here winging it. But maybe I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> You're clearly not with the growth and success you've had. But go ahead, girl. I'm just winging it. I'm winging it. I'm just so, I was like, oh, it has to be, this was July. I think I met with Cindy in April and I was taking pre-orders in December because I'm crazy. And so I was just like, 
I got to get this formula done. I knew what I wanted and then I had to find the packaging. And then I found my um, design team riser on Instagram. And I literally was following like a marketing page and I bookmarked like five people and I sent them an email and riser got back to me first and we hit it off. Then they like smashed the packaging. It was, they did an amazing job, you know, with my branding. Then I had essence. She was an editor and I don't know. I just started following her and I was like, I need a black PR company. And that's where I found six one. And I started working with Kylie, who I absolutely love. I did my own website. I did a photo shoot. And here we are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So your tenacity, your research, that must have come from being a lawyer. Because you were literally like, I'm about to DM. I'm about to find all the people. I'm putting this out there. Um, and, and you did it. And you found the resources. So many people get stuck. Because we know what we know, but we get crippled about the things we don't know. So you have to be able to use the resources. That's the beauty of social media. We can find anyone. We can find a video to learn how to do it. And big shout out to Kylie. I've known Kylie for decades. And 6-1 is such a source for us. Um, we love partnering with them. And whenever you can find those right people that get your brand, that want to support you, it makes all the difference. And I'm just wondering for you, because of how you started your career and then moving into this new winging it way, did you have to evolve your group, your tribe, your mentors? Like, how did you find that base of people? And then what did it look like over time as you've kind of evolved careers? Well, yeah, it's had to evolve. Um, but you know what the good thing about it is, is that a lot of my friends were evolving in their own right. And so that has been you know, really nice because, you know, honestly, you have to have a good support system. Like I talk to my mom like three or four times a day and the majority of it is business, you know, like my significant other, my boyfriend, he's a, a, I'm a Sag, he's a Taurus. So he's very like steadfast. So I feel like you have to have a good circle around you. Like my best friend's an entrepreneur, I'm really good friends with Kim Smith. Um, she owns 8th and Ken in D.C. I talk to just a small group of people a lot. And Rochelle Guy Paris, she's a happiness coach. And we just like have evolved together and are just trying to figure it out together. Everything is like six degrees of separation. Somebody knows somebody. And I just feel like if you're a genuine person, it's really not even hard to evolve and build genuine relationships with other people. And so, you know, even just leading to Kylie, like, she's a genuine person. Like I, we got on the phone the first time and we had an hour long conversation. She's always kept me in mind. I feel like she was a big part of getting me in the right media, which led to the right retailers. And I'm thankful for her all the time. So, you know, Kim, she was with the National Retail Federation on their board She's been a great source for getting me into um, or assisting me with retailers. So, you know, just evolving, meeting the right people and being authentic has been one of the best things ever. Well, and it's that authenticity that is so crucial. And it's the genuine connections that we have with people who we can relate to. 
And I think it's so funny as a side note, I'm a Taurus and my husband is a Sag. (laughs) Well, we are the best sign ever. I would just like to throw that out there. You know, honestly, I don't know how you all do it because Tauruses, you guys are very like, sometimes they'll be like, but did you ask this? I'm like, you know, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're good. We're good balance. We're just like very straight. We're like, here we go. We trust. If you trust us and we trust you, it's all good. Um, So I want to go back to two things that, that we started talking about. And even how you said Kim and Kylie, like positioning you for retail and then also this notion of being genuine. So when you think about your credo for naturally drenched, affirming humans with curl hair, um, I love how you talk about we're all, we will, what do you say? We will make waves and shatter boundaries in the hair care industry. We will speak positivity into curls, changing the narrative and affirming high texture crowns through our language, products, and engagements. And I love how you set up your credo. And part of that is being genuine to who you are, why you wanted to create this. So when you think about this path to retail, what did it look like as you first started to get those calls and as you first started to determine these retailers that you wanted to go into? Well, I knew from when I formulated, I didn't even formulate honestly with being in a retailer in mind, I formulated based off of just wanting the best ingredients possible. So when I had my hero product, I didn't even have anything on the credo dirty list. So that made it a lot easier because that was a priority for me also with sustainable packaging. So that was already a given, but I, I, you know, going into a retailer or finding a retailer that's interested in you, it's a lot to it in terms of, are you doing something that they need in the store? Is it an item that they're interested in or that they can make money from? And so it's a lot bigger than I think my product is great. And I've had to learn that just because you think you're amazing, that doesn't mean you necessarily fit their marketing agenda. That's what it really comes down to is, especially if you don't have a huge brand awareness. And I also say that, I don't think I understood retail before I got into it. And I think that a lot of brands have to understand how retailers work and that what your profit margin is really going to be and what it takes to actually get into a retailer, but maintain that relationship with a retailer and also to generate sales and the responsibility, know that the retailers are going to want you know, up-to-date imagery. They're going to want you to be available or present in the stores. It's just not, let me put it in there and it's going to sell. That's not really how it works. Well, and it's, it's good to hear your experience in talking about it. And I love kind of the checklist of understanding because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we, we love our ideas. We think our ideas are great. We think our products are amazing and everyone's going to buy them. And there is the reality that comes with going from your own D to C into reality of what retail looks like and those expectations and those margins. And for you, was it something from a finance perspective? Because you are you you have an interesting kind of mindset from the business brain to the creative brain to the entrepreneurial brain to product development. Was there a learning curve for you in terms of understanding 
profit margins and finance and debt inventory and, and even figuring out a PO? Like, what did you use to kind of help you understand the nuances around the business side of going into retail? Well, the good thing is like, like I said, I'm friends with Kim and she has eighth and Ken and she had like a series and somebody was talking about retailing and she was talking about profit margins. And this was before I had even brought everything out. And she was like, you know, you got to make sure your profit margins are right for if you want to go into a retail, like your wholesale price has to be something that you can make a profit from. And I was like, okay, but it's ever evolving. I mean, because when you start the journey, I think you're, for me, I was a little idealistic, you know, in a sense where, yeah, like you're not really paying attention. Like I want this aluminum bottle. She's adorable. Not taking into consideration that she costs a lot of money or yeah, I want this formula. Like I had created my mask. And I didn't put water in it, not realizing that, you know, using aloe as my top ingredient was going to really increase the cost. But no, I want the best of the best. But sometimes you don't realize what that means. You know, I have cork packaging for my outer packaging. That's expensive. And so pricing and profit margin is very important. And it's also a catch 22 because you think 10,000 bottles is a lot because you're small, but in reality, 10,000 bottles is nothing. And so, yeah, you're getting some type of price decrease, but you're not getting what you would get if you were ordering 50,000, nor if you were ordering, you know, 500 gallons seems like a lot, but it's not 10,000 gallons. And so we have to understand that what the pricing really means and what profit margin really means and what all of the expenses are that go into brand awareness wrapped up in that one little product that we're selling. Well, and it's so interesting when you talk about bottles and ingredients and where do you make those sacrifices? Because so much, especially for you, you're clean, you're vegan, you're eco-conscious, like there are costs that come with that. And, and consumers have to understand that in order to have those ingredients, there is a different price point, you know, as much as you want to be inclusive and make sure everybody can have it to your point, you have to understand those margins and what's the difference between this packaging versus this packaging. And it's interesting. There was a brand and I was looking at their site and they put a whole thing about plastic because they talk so much about being clean and vegan. And, and I liked the transparency. It was like, Hey, listen, we're in plastic because X, Y, and Z. That doesn't diminish the ingredients, but here's why we're doing it. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in not having that conversation and not being honest and to your point, genuine about what you're trying to do that we miss the mark. And so when you think about this balance of being eco-conscious, figuring out your profit margins, going into a brand like Credo, the highest standard, and then still keeping your clean and vegan ingredients affordable, what does that balance look like? And are there sacrifices as even as you talk about it that you've that you've had to make? Yeah, there there are definitely sacrifices. I mean, I always say too, sustainability, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so, you know, even with all the efforts I've taken as a small brand, you know, you don't realize like, oh, I made up ordered a brush, but it came, all the brushes came in plastic. There's a learning curve to it. 
in a sense that, you know, okay, now I have aluminum bottles, but they dent easy. So how am I going to ship them? I, do I wrap them in bubble wrap? Or, you know, how do I get them to the retailer without them looking dented up or from the retailer to the consumer without looking crazy? You know, you have it's so much to take into consideration. And so you really can't point to anybody else, especially a small brand for certain choices in regards, because I find that a lot of small brands are trying the hardest to make sure consumers really get the best of the best. And so we're all just kind of learning and we're all kind of getting our money up so that we can take that next step and maybe eliminate, you know, any type of plastic coming along or, you know, even with aluminum, the process of making aluminum also has environmental costs. So then you, your, your next step is, okay, well, I want to use, recycled aluminum how do I find somebody that does that you know there's a lot of things that go into being sustainable and really honestly it's just taking a loss on the front end and hoping that the brand builds itself strong enough that you can eventually get those make those steps and you can increase your volume so that you can decrease the cost when you buy bigger batches that's the way I'm looking at it Jamila you're a master class it is, it is so true. Well, and it's the long game, right? You know, when we talk about losses on the front end in terms of our gains on the back end and hitting profitability and we start to get into what does revenue actually look like, that's where it becomes the long term, right? And even starting companies, putting the money back into your business so that you can continue to iterate, you can continue to innovate, you can continue to be able to fill purchase orders. And let's talk a little bit about the financing of it all. Because as you said, you, you had a successful career. You also have a salon that you still run. And now you have your products. So from a financing conversation, so many founders, you know, we talk so much about bootstrapping, which, which we're all doing until we get to a point where we can't. And what we know is that there has to be this moment of scale. And what does scale look like? And so what are you thinking about financing the bootstrapping landscape, the fundraising landscape in terms of the growth that you see for the brand? Well, I'll say this. I still work my full-time job. So I still work as a lawyer full time, which gives me immense peace of mind sometimes. So I don't pay myself off of the brand. Like I know from the salon, I won't touch naturally drenched money for like a minute just because I don't have to um, for the moment. And the thing about fundraising and investors is I am still really trying to figure it out. And so for me, until my brand is at a point where I feel like, okay, I know I'm going to, I have a sense of normalcy or consistency. I'm not taking anybody's money. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and you just, I mean, you said it, you know, especially because I wear both hats with our brain trust funds, the studio, thank you for being an amazing member. Like, and we're constantly in this conversation about is your company venture backable, right? And having the wherewithal, it goes back to what I said, if everyone feels like they're raising and that's the thing to do, is it right? Because as an investor, you're expecting a return. And there, there, there's kind of, that, that's the black and white of it all. Like, yes, there's shades of gray in everything that we do, but once you bring in that venture capital, there's a return. And that's why we talk so much about differentiated sources of capital. Like to your point, working a full-time job and saying, I'm still gonna be able to do this. I can go into retail, I can get all this press. 
but I know these milestones that I want to hit to look at things differently. Looking at grants, pitch competitions, loans, lines of credit, like diluted, you know, equity, like all of these pieces play into what do we want the outcomes to be. And when you think about that, what do you see kind of as the future? Is it more salons? Is it more products, more retail? What, is, what does that look like for you? For me, it's going to be um, more products for sure. Like I'm constantly formulating. I know that I want to put out styling products. Now I will say it's difficult for me because I have a salon. So it makes it difficult because I just can't put out just anything. And that's the hard part about it is that if I don't feel, now everybody's not going to come and agree on your products, but if my stylist won't use my products, I'm not putting it out. And if I don't have a couple stylists who are like, I love this, this is the best of the best. I'm not going to just put out another product when there's already a bunch of products out there, unless I know that my product is going to do a better job. So for me, I'm being very patient with my stylers because they have to be amazing, period, point blank. Anything I put out has to be amazing. I know there's room for growth and things eventually evolve, but my baseline has to be something that wows people or that stylists feel like or salons feel like that they would love and that they want to use on a regular basis. So, you know, I am in the process of formulating stylers. I even have another mask that I haven't put out yet, but I'm also committed to letting the products that I have out now grow because I'm still very new and it doesn't make sense to keep on pushing money to put things out when I'm still just starting to get traction with the products that I have. So I'm being patient with those while formulating. And then when I, when I can afford to put out my stylers and they're right, I'll put those out because you Tauruses, I talked to my <laughs> and he's like, well, what happens? Cause it's true. You know, what happens if your products you have now, you have to reorder and then you got to place the order and, you know, well, what happens with the money? And you're like, oh, I don't have any money. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, how do I get these products? You know, so right now I'm really focused on brand awareness and I'm really leaning into salons and stylists. And that's where my growth is focused on right now. You know, this is such a great conversation. Um, <laughs> it is such an interesting kind of frame of mind to think about the baby that you have while also excited about the baby to come, right? And so to your point, you have all these products and it's like, how do we make sure that the products we have now are doing the best that they can do? It's the conversation of starting like a diffusion line or another line when it's like, let's stabilize this. Let's get this the best it can be because with that credibility and that access that you've now created because your core product set is doing so well, you can essentially do anything. And you have such a unique vantage point because you have the stylist. You have this built-in group who are going to tell you like it is and you need them to evangelize. And they are at the forefront of it every single day. And so I love your approach. And I, I also want to just quickly talk about your marketing because you've done some really smart things. Like I love how you're doing the lives with your stylist, you're in the salon, you're doing your curl conversations. Like you're truly creating this lifestyle. And one of the things I love is your ambassador program. We talked to so many founders who try and figure out 
how to evangelize their community. You're doing it with commission. You're doing it with rewards. You're doing it with access. So talk about this marketing mix that you found and how it's really working to amplify the core brand. Well, you know, it's just spur of the moment. (laughs) (laughs) We're winging it. We're back to winging it. We got spur of the moment. We got winging it. Cause literally, I just come up with things, and I'm like, let's let's go live, Brianna. Like, let's do this, you know. And then I see, I'm like, oh, people. And you know what's so funny? Because I, I honestly, the big thing about marketing to me is building relationships with people. Even with the ambassador program and affiliates, honestly, a lot of them are just people I've been friends with over on my salon page for years. And then they see that I have a brand and I'm, they're like, I'm like, oh, I'd love to send you something. They'll be like, oh, okay. And then I'll send it. And it's really just about building a lot of friends. Like, I feel like I make a lot of friends on Instagram, just, hey, oh, that's so cute. Or, oh my gosh, or where are you at? I even feel like that with the editors. Like, I love talking to them. I'm always, I'm like trying to quit my job and become an editor lightweight. So <laughs> that's the next generation. Seriously, I just, I'm honestly a lot of that. So with Brianna and so Andrew, one of the guys I work with, I, I became friends with him. He's in Texas and he, I used to do lives last year. And, you know, I, he was like, I really like the lives you do from the stylist because I learned so much. And I was like, I'm just going to do them. And then last week I was like, Brianna, let's just go live. And so I just like getting on there with her because there's so much information out there. But I feel like with especially curly hair in general and women with higher texture, we complicate the situation a lot more than it needs to be. But I was at a pop up and I was talking to so many women who are like my age or older because I'm 44. And it was so interesting to me because we come from the era of relaxers. And for the longest time, We've never been taught, nor do we know what to really do with our natural hair. And I had so many women come up to the table and just say, but I just don't know what to do with it. And I was like, it's really not even that hard. So it's it's like we need a space for people to to really be able to just say, I don't get it. And somebody to say, I hear you. And let me show you how to take care of your hair. Well, And it's so funny because you said it early. You were like, it's your passion. You were like, I have the passion for this and I'm doing it. And I love that because it really is about the relationships and highlighting the people in your circle, using those relationships to help create the energy, the excitement, the fandom for the brand and everything that you're doing. And so I, I love that. You're like, really? We like this? And getting on and having the education, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. And in terms of our age, it is, you know, I still remember getting my first relaxer and then having to cut my hair. And then there's so many conversations and just really being like, I'm just not a hair person and all of the different steps and pieces to do it. And it just, it gets overcomplicated. And I think that that's really the beauty of you. Like you're, you're so approachable. You're our home girl. You're just telling it like it is. And the products really do work so well. And so it starts to become this circle, right? Because the salon, the stylist, the products, and it goes back to if the product didn't work, then we would have nothing. And so what are we doing? It's true. I mean, and I think that's the foundation while I'm just being patient with everything is because, you know, if you have faith in what you're doing, I'd rather grow it slow and people love what I do than just put out a bunch of stuff and 
you know, kind of get caught up in this race for a check mark or funding or all of these things. And then I saw so many businesses that I thought were doing so well go out of business, you know, over the last year. And I was like, I don't want to make those same mistakes. And if I can learn from what a lot of these businesses did by overspending, then I don't have to go that route. And it really made me look differently about looking at my profit and loss statement and, you know, the risk it all mentality. Like you have to, this idea that you have to spend money to make money, you know, there is some truth to it, but There's a lot of things that you can do on your own just as a solopreneur to get the word out there and be profitable. So three things that I just kind of want to pick back up on. So and then I promise you, we'll let we'll let you get back to running the business and doing all the things. So when you talk about this notion of still having a full time job, you have successfully managed to have a full time job have a salon, and now have products, and you're continuing to grow. We get a lot of questions about the balance of that, and we've already talked about your family and your beautiful daughter. How is that in terms of balancing your time, being present during the day, if if we're talking about a traditional workday, and still having the time to pour into the business? How big is your team? How do you manage? What's the inflection point of being able to continue to do both? Well, for a long time, I didn't have any sort of balance. This year, I had its operation get a life. So I'm actually working pretty hard on setting boundaries with myself, constantly being on my phone. I just realized that's not what I want to do anymore. My daughter's 10, and I don't want her to feel like I'm not listening. So I've made more of a conscious effort. My new thing this year is faith over force. And so a lot of times I find that it's going to be what it's going to be. There's only so many hours in a day. And if I don't feel like I can get to it, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Like life is going to go on, you know, if, if, if it doesn't get done. And so what I've started to do is give myself grace. And on the weekends, you know, I was using a lot of that because I do work full time. I was using a lot of my outside hours like after work or on the weekend to make up for time that's lost during the week. And that's where the faith comes in. Like it's always worked its way out. But not only that, I'm a hard worker in general. So I'm not going to ever slack off on doing what needs to be done. So a lot of it is being kind to myself and realizing that you're doing good. You're fine. You're a hard worker. You're amazing. You don't have to overthink every little aspect. And just because I want something to happen doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. And so it's it's been really nice to let that go. And right now, kind of what I'm searching for is hobbies. Like, I don't really have a hobby. You know, if you were going to sit and talk to me, I would talk the majority of it would be about the salon or naturally drenched you know, but I don't have anything that I do outside of my daughter or my boyfriend or the business by myself, other than like, oh, yeah, I like to go eat. You know, I like to go to brunch. I like Prosecco, <laughs> you know, but I don't have anything like I like to read or I like to work out. And so this year I'm committed to trying things that I do by myself solely that I have a passion for that give me joy. Wow. It's so deep because we do get so caught up in our family, our companies. And and I, 
It's interesting because I struggle with this notion of it, even when we talk about hobbies, because I love the work so much and I love my family so much, but I'm always finding hobbies within the business in terms of things that I like and things that give me joy. And I think it's such an interesting thing. And I'm really like, is a hobby a hobby a hobby? Are parts of my business a hobby that I get to do because I love? For example, the creative part. Like, you know, we do our big founders house activation and I love to travel. I love throwing events. I love, I love that whole vibe. And so it's kind of like what I love in my real life, but now getting able to do it in the business because founders house is essentially a big party with people that I love and enjoy. And so I like how you talk about this notion of grace and like understanding and not being so hard on ourselves. And I think even for you, like the definition of a hobby and what is it and separating this notion of I need to be able to be with myself deeply. Right. But I don't have to put so much pressure on like, what's a hobby? Am I going to read 10 chapters today? Am I going to like read the Agatha Christie? You know what I mean? It's like, what? What is it going to be? And so I just I was just thinking about that as you were saying it, because I just I love it so much. And if I can find joy in the moments that are connected to the business, but not the business so I can rest my brain, then I feel so deeply that I've kind of accomplished that that path of joy. Right. So with that, we are going to find out because I'm going to stay on top of you about what this hobby and personal thing is. So that's going to be our next episode because now I'm like, what's Jamila going to do? How is she going to find that moment? Who knows? I was like, maybe I'll do Pilates or I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I did cook three times last week. I was really impressed with myself. So I don't know. It could be we could have been set up and I could be cooking. I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll be doing cooking and curls and it'll be cooking and curls and that'll be our show. And you know what? It'll be how to take the natural vegan clean ingredients from the products and infuse those in your food because what you put on your scalp ultimately goes into. That's our next business. I'm your business partner. Yeah, I was like, and here here it is. And here we are. (laughs) Well, um, and with that, the last question is, Help us with the brand that you're excited about. We always like talk about our community. We always want to support others. So as much as we are coveting Naturally Drenched, is there another brand that you'd like to shout out? I would say I've really gotten into skincare because, you know, (laughs) aging is no joke. So I'm like, I have a couple, but if I have to shout out one, I'm going to say I really like Common Air. I like common mm. hair a lot. I like their retinol and I like their, um, and I just tried their ceramide. I like that. And I'm not, I just tried another brand called African Botanics. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. And, wow, African Botanics. Okay. And I had this thing, they have this product called Infusion. And I have to say, I'm glad I didn't just walk up to the counter and say, let me have it because it was $200. So I'm going to have to wait for that to go on sale. <laughs> You and your daughter out here, like, doing the most with the products. <laughs> it was amazing. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not. Let me just pace myself. Because every time I go to Credo, I buy a bunch of stuff. And I was like, let me just pace myself. I'm so glad I did. Because I went and looked it up after. And I was like, whoo, that's a Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Not, not a $200 
facial products. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll oh talk about them and then I can tag them and they'll send me a free bottle. Oh my gosh, because you are an influencer. We talked about your marketing. We ta- <laughs> we see you on TikTok. So you're like, go ahead. I'm going to now do product reviews alongside cooking and Pilates, being a I'm lawyer, a- being a mom, running my company. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I mean, I'm honestly trying to get that first class Emirates flight that I see all the influencers get with the little like living space. So I can like show myself reclining with the TV. So if I, you got to do what you got to do. If that's what I got to do, I'm going to do it. Girl, yes, that is it. You have to do what you have to do. And that's, I think, what we're all just trying to do. So I, Jamila, you are so fun. I am so excited um, about the brands, about you, about everything that is to come, the expansion, the new products, our new cooking show. Um, But (laughs) but thank you so much for being here. And um, thank you for being part of Brain Trust Founder Studio. It means so much for us to be able to be in community together. Me too. I enjoy it. Thank you so much. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks to Jamila, make sure to check out Common Air. That is common, C-O-M-M-O-N, and air, H-E-I-R. So make sure to follow Common Air, the future of luxury skincare by a woman of color, owned and cruelty-free. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And I think about a quote that Jamila said. She said, what I've been starting to do is give myself grace Because I do work full time, I was using a lot of weekend time to make up for time lost over the week. So I ask you, how will you give yourself grace? How will you find time? How will you find your own hobby, as Jamila shared? And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Assistant producer, Jenny Salk. Executive producer, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Edited by Fishmar Creative. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.